Today is September 8th, 2021. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Nagana Go, Megoche, Chase Tokomaki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bugani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee of Bears Paw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Metis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was a born here in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mulkinstis, as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yolanai's Dene. My father is so Canadian, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Quincho Tine in the Hay, and set to Dene, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders, language keepers, as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Uh, today is a really uh, important day to me. It's uh, International Literacy Day 2021. So I thought today, um, you know, I, I have talked about Truth and Reconciliation Commission reports. I've talked about uh, the missing and murdered Indigenous women girls and two-spirit uh, national inquiry report. I have talked about the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples report. There's the Indian Act. These are the basic minimums, uh, clearing the plains. So many different books. Our uh, next book club on Monday is about um, business and reconciliation. And interestingly enough, I had a conversation today with um, the Alberta government. Um, the Indian Affairs uh, Division, and we talked about uh, in in Alberta. This is different than the rest of the country, and because I'm only from Alberta, I didn't know this. But the rest of the country honors um, Indigenous tax exemption. They don't love it, but they do. Now, um, national organizations like uh, Canadian Tire are supposed to honor it in all of their locations, but 
I can tell you firsthand, I went to one of the uh, places in Lethbridge and they did not honor it. Uh, so hats off to those who have been able to get Canadian Tire to honor it in Alberta. Uh, for non-Indigenous, what am I talking about? Um, so when I went to Ontario, I found out too late, uh, the tail end of my trip, that if I show my Indian Act uh, imposed status card, I get a tax exemption for uh, the federal GST and the provincial sales tax. Now, those who are in Alberta know we don't have a sales tax, but we pay atrocious rates in everything, in insurance, in parking, and there's nothing that's unturned. But even 5% would matter significantly. And uh, so anyway, in Alberta, they decided to issue a white card to, um, from the treasury branch. And we're supposed to use that. And it's only available on reserve. So I was speaking to Sutina, uh, gas stop there, um, as that's where I've been getting a lot of my gas. And um, they said uh, the white card won't be issued. And I'm one of those old school folks who have that laminated Indian Act and post status card. So, um, you know, they were saying, oh, I don't know if I'll accept it, but I, I got assurances from the Alberta government that once they bring in the new policy that um, our old laminated uh, Indian Act and post status cards will still work at, you know, um, on, on res gas stations. And for folks who don't know, uh, that just, that's a significant amount of taxes federally and provincially that, that get reduced. And then if you've noticed, um, on-reserve gas is a little cheaper than off-reserve uh, in, you know, Canada because uh, they're just jacking up the prices because they can, that's what they do. Uh, so anyway, I've been going out to Sutina. I've been noticing a lot of settlers going out there too. Uh, Sutina has their new Costco open, so that's been wonderful. Anyway, let's get back to uh, some things that I'd like to talk about. I, um, I understand now that people don't know what fascism is and they don't know how it works. And I think this is really relevant. Um, we're two days short of the 20th anniversary of the attack in um, New York, the World Trade. And as a result, we have been exposed to so much pro-war propaganda in 20 years. I think that um, the new generation, they did, you know, and it's, it's dawning on me how old I am <laughs> at 44. I remember when 9-11 happened and the amount of pro-war um, propaganda that we've been given. And, you know, I, uh, it, it's important to talk about propaganda when talking about fascism. And I don't think folks are aware anymore of what fascism actually is. So I, I wanted to start today by talking, as it is International Literacy Day, I wanted to start talking about some books that I highly recommend in the hopes that maybe, just maybe, folks would consider actually reading it. So um, well, these are my notes you don't need to see. <laughs> Boring. Um, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite books. It's old. It's already from, what, 2011? Um, and it's called The Armageddon Factor by Marcy McDonald. It's The Rise of Christian Nationalism in Canada. It's one of my favorite books. Really opened my eyes to um, understand what I'm seeing. So to give more context for those who don't know uh, me or native Calgarian or 
Indigenous issues. Um, basically, what has happened in Canada is point blank fascism uh, to Indigenous people and a Christian agenda, a Christian straight agenda uh, with British laws and British go um, governance was imposed on these lands. And uh, it, the system was rigged with uh, many government policies against Indigenous people. Um, as a result, we are in genocide and uh, it continues today. And as a result of my knowledge of knowing that base that I think the average Canadian doesn't know, I'm really quite sensitive to, um, you know, very much fascist Christian ideology that's been imposed on these lands. And uh, this book, which is older already, uh, was really good at explaining the uh, rise, the right-wing Christian nationalism movement in Canada, its ties to the conservative government by then uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, it talks a lot about how much power Christians have always um, had in this culture and how the Americans have actually influenced Canadian uh, far right Christian militant um, belief systems. So, um, you know, they're, they're determined to outlaw homosexuality and abortion, which you cannot do. Uh, but Roe versus uh, Wade, Roe versus Wade was um, recently challenged in the Supreme Court by Texas and unfortunately now you basically can't get an abortion in Texas. So they're doing um, their work here. They're doing um, the work that they set out to do. And, you know, it's um, it was really something that I had heard Danielle Smith talk about how all of the Christians or Christians, I'm sorry, the conservative party and, uh, and such went down to the States to basically Christian camp to talk about how to impose Christian ideology in conservatism. And um, she, she was at the time a, a more of a libertarian. And as a result, she uh, didn't agree with the abortion issue and uh, left early. And that was something that she had said on the radio. So um, the reason why that uh, this is really important is that this is the base that has really influenced over the last uh, 10 years, a lot of the rise that we've been seeing in the US and in Canada, it's um, completely uh, relevant in this moment in time because of uh, the propaganda we're hearing from anti-maskers. And um, it's really important that people understand where this is coming from, how this is, this is US money and how these evangelicals have really infiltrated our Canadian democracy. And because they have fascist ideology, of course, it's really hurting our democracy. So I wanted to recommend this book for folks who maybe don't have this background uh, in um, you know, how, how much their Christian religious belief is being um, really forced within the democratic um, situation that we're in. Um, I, I brought up this really great little piece from LiveScience.com about what is fascism. And I wanted to highlight that um, there's a professor in Columbia University in New York, and I don't know if he's really considered the father of fascism studies, but he says here that um, fascism uses propaganda to promote anti-liberalism, rejecting individual rights, civil liberties, 
free enterprise and uh, democracy, anti-socialism, rejecting economic principles based on socialistic frameworks, exclusion of certain groups, often through violence, uh, nationalism that seeks to expand power and influence. And I, th I thought this was really important because I, I don't think that the average Canadian who lives in white supremacy that doesn't understand that that is what they're breathing doesn't understand these principles anymore and how when you have, you know, the rise of evangelical Christians forcing their agenda, their anti-homosexual agenda, their abortion, anti-abortion uh, views onto people, that this is where we're coming from. So propaganda, the propaganda machine that's being used in the anti-vax um, movement right now is so very clear. And in fact, um, you know, I should mention Edward Snowden has been tweeting a lot about the influence that, um, you know, nefarious folks have both in government and, and abroad and how it's influencing folks and, and the power of, you know, Twitter and Facebook and the broad implications of having these algorithms set so that you see and hear only what you want to see and hear and that it's very much, um, you know, an outrage machine in a lot of ways. And I mean, I'm totally one of those people that share all that information. So hello, Pod Colin McKettle Black. But I, I do do it in the hopes to educate because I'm in the middle of Calgary, Alberta, or now Lethbridge, Alberta. And like these are the fundamental evangelical Christians and, you know, really not just um, anti-Indigenous bias, but hateful anti-Indigenous bias. So anyway, let's get back to this anti-liberalism or rejecting individual rights, civil liberties, free enterprise, and democracy. So here's the propaganda that they've been uh, sold by uh, Russia, Trump, the US, and this uh, propaganda machine from the military industrial complex in the States is that they, they believe that their democracy is under threat because of liberals. And that doesn't make sense in any capacity one. Um, now, I'm not saying liberals are great people. Um, you know, I, I am a part of the Liberal Party of Canada. And, um, you know, for people to call me a smell, I was, this week has been troll city on Facebook and Twitter. And someone said, well, I think Michelle was a small L liberal. And it's like, oh, tell me you don't listen to my podcast without telling me you don't listen to my podcast. Um, I'm both. <laughs> um, and, and not necessarily a small uh, letter liberal in that sense. Maybe my settler roots um, would, would suggest that. But, um, you know, my Indigenous ones, this is talking about sovereignty. And we're talking about Canada being an invaded, invading British colony that has um, imposed their laws, boundaries, and, um, you know, ridiculousness on Indigenous people through genocide. Um, so anti-liberalism, even by colonial standards, folks who are eating this garbage propaganda, they don't even understand what liberalism is. They don't understand what democracy is. So it's a, it's a really um, sad reality that I'm living in Alberta right now. I mean, I went to school with people who have these belief systems, uh, rejecting individual rights. So it's, this is the conversation that I think we really need to have about, you know, in, in an actual democratic liberal society, 
there are some collective rights. So in a pandemic, it's very clearly laid out how in a pandemic, we all need to understand that we only forego some individual rights for the collective of, of everyone. And um, like right now, I, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but uh, those who are 12 and under have no um, access to vaccines. So anyone who's not 12 and under should really be advocating for those folks. And we should be trying to, um, you know, the, the harm that can be imposed on them from this pandemic is, is um, something that Dina Hinshaw, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, our medical examiner has felt is not actually um, a real issue. <sighs> Both her and the UC, UCP government have given the green light for the best summer ever with no restrictions. And it's um, the Wednesday after September long weekend. We have over 5,000 cases now um, from the last September long weekend in Alberta. Uh, school has started, obviously. We don't have the contact tracing in schools. We don't have the contact tracing in Alberta Health. And um, I would argue that uh, now people's individual rights are being um, oppressed thanks to this ideological belief system of Christianity by obviously our medical examiner as well as our, um, our, our province leaders. Uh, free, <laughs> free enterprise, how interesting. So back to fascism, a lot of these folks actually don't understand what free enterprise is. Um, we're seeing employees being harassed and targeted by these uh, you know, um, fascist anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers here in Alberta. So if you're a cash, if you're working security at a door and you ask people to wear a mask, they literally will spit and berate and, and uh, treat that individual poorly. So they claim to be for free enterprise, but when businesses say, oh, you're not allowed to enter our business unless you've been vaccinated or wearing a mask, uh, these fascists who are have this propaganda in their head, believing they're on the um, idea of civil liberties, that they believe that they are um, somehow exercising their freedom. And they actually think they're freedom fighters. But the truth is they are actually um, hurting businesses and they are hurting the community. So they are infringing on the civil liberties of other people and um, you know, rejecting individual rights of children under 12 and those who are vulnerable to this pandemic. And, um, you know, it's just so ironic when I think of, you know, polio or the smallpox um, pandemic and how folks stepped up and got the vaccines and, and um, you know, tried to protect the children. Uh, the iron lung was a real thing during the polio um, pandemic. My uh, I actually have an uncle or an, a great uncle who has since passed and he was um, wheelchair bound because of polio. Um, you know, my, his brother, my, my grandfather talked about him being, it was the vaccine that did it to him. So by no means am I a stranger to anti-vax rhetoric. In fact, even myself, I had delayed my daughter's um, 
vaccines because at the time that was when uh, Andrew Wakefield had come out and Jenny McCarthy and we're talking about um, how many uh, children had gotten uh, an MMR and been adversely affected by it. And uh, I know a lot of folks have tried to debunk that just as they've tried to debunk a lot of things. But in mothering circles, we really relied on each other. And um, interestingly enough, one of the mothers that I had relied on in a forum that we were all a part of, no underlining health issues, just a few years younger than I, and she just passed from COVID-19 in the States. And uh, now her children are motherless. So, you know, I, I think it's one thing to be talking about a flu vaccine. It's another to be talking about um, even a chickenpox vaccine, I think is ridiculous because my daughter, like I purposely exposed her to chickenpox. Um, but knowing that that is a very, like that it, it's an illness and it sucks, but it's not something that is it necessary to have a vaccine for because I come from the generation that we all just got smallpox or uh, smallpox, sorry, uh, chickenpox at that time. And, um, you know, and then it was done. And we, we never had to worry about it again. So, you know, I, I do understand where folks are coming from, but I think the rhetoric, um, you know, it has been rooted in a place of, of real propaganda. And there's a, a, there is an evil agenda, but unfortunately they're falling for it. And, Sadly, they think they are the freedom fighters. So it, it's really sad. Um, Anti-socialism, uh, rejecting economic principles through socialist frameworks. Uh, Jason Kenney is cutting the nurses' wages. Um, our nurses and doctors are completely overwhelmed right now. Exclusion of certain groups, often through violence. Hello, um, Native here speaking about genocide. Nationalism that uh, seeks to expand a nation's influence and power. Well, of course they are. We're having a really strong conversation about um, Indigenous issues and Christianity is definitely being threatened by it. And it's, um, and of course, you know, Canada, the US imposed Christianity on these lands. So yeah, I can see exactly why they're um, having this conversation. So anyway, I just wanted to I, I can't believe I'm giving fascism 101s, and I know those who are um, part of Antifa, so anti-fascist, they're probably like, holy shit, Michelle, could you have simplified that anymore? And I'm like, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, it's really clear to me that uh, folks are not understanding what fascism is. I know you know that, and we're going through that. So uh, it is International Literacy Day, White Too Long, the Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity. This is a more recent book by Robert P. Jones. Um, and this is a book that I'm even considering grabbing because um, I think it, it's basically the extension of the Armageddon factor from Marcy McDonald only. Of course, it's focusing more in the States like um, the author had done another book called The End of White Christian Americans. So I think that um, these are really important conversations to have. I'll just give you the about a bit about this book. As a nation grapples with uh, demographic changes and the legacy of racism in America, Christianity, Christianity's role as a cornerstone of white supremacy has been largely overlooked, except by us fucking natives, sorry. <laughs> but white Christians from the evangelical or in the South uh, to maintain Protestant in the Midwest and Catholics in the Northeast 
it's not just been about uh, complacent or complicit, but rather as a dominant cultural power, they have constructed and sustained a project of protecting white supremacy and opposing black equality as a framework of an entire country story. So it doesn't sound like it talks too much about um, indigenous issues and really talks about it in the idea of black and white in the sense of the struggle of slavery versus this. And I know many black people are now uh, Christians, just as many indigenous are now Christians because of this, you know, overt violence that has been um, enforced upon us. So they just finish it by saying uh, more broadly, it is no exaggeration to say that not just the future of white Christianity, but the outcome of the American experiment is at stake. And again, this is rooted in questioning <laughs> This conversation about um, you know British white supremacy and all of this being imposed on Indigenous lands, uh, using black bodies as um, you know the mechanism to build the America that they think is so fan fucking tastic, which you know they have just these as it says right here, you know it demonstrates how deeply racist attitudes have become embedded in the DNA of the white Christian identity over time and calls for an honest reckoning with a complicated, painful, and even shameful past. This is exactly what we're going through in Alberta, but folks don't want to talk about it. So um, I haven't read this book, but How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us and Them by Jason Stanley, another book that I thought might be interesting. It seems like it's more philosophical, uh, but it's, you know, it's basically talking about how disturbing the patterns of fascism are when you compare it to um, other examples in the world. Uh, I'll just say he knits together reflections on history, philosophy, sociology, and critical race theory with stories of contemporary Hungary, Poland, India, uh, Namar, the United States, and other nations. He makes clear the immense danger of underestimating the uh, cumulative power of these tactics which including exploiting a mythic version of a nation's past, propaganda that twists the language of democratic ideals against them, anti-intellectualism um, directed against universities and experts, law and order pol uh, politics predicated on the assumption that members of minority groups are criminals and the fierce attacks on labor groups and welfare does that sound like Alberta? It sure does to me. And, uh, you know, again, deep roots in this evangelical Christianity, um, the Conservative Party of Canada, and of course, by default, Jason Kenney, as he was part of that. So, you know, I, I can't, um, you know, talk about these issues enough. If you are listening and you have found some really great references on fascism, um, that you would like to talk about, please don't hesitate. I think that uh, we're having these conversations about, um, you know, black authored books and racism, but I think we're going to have to take it a little further and start talking about fascism, propaganda, and why this is all interconnected. And why am I bringing this up? Because I have something very sad to show everybody. Um, so on Twitter, Jane Q Citizen is uh, <laughs> Antifa, and they have highlighted that the police, Calgary police and firefighters were locking arms at City Hall yesterday because they actually believe they are freedom fighters but are actual fascists. 
so she, there's even a video of these fascists walking to um, what you're seeing here is the um, memorial that they have for the police and for the firefighters. Surely know that they are promoting the very thing that these folks um, fought against in you know World War World War II. So it, it's very pathetic. Um, name your uncle, name your auntie. There's a few women there as well, and I'll just mention that toxic masculinity also. Um, creates internalized uh, misogyny, which women are more than guilty. The New York Times had a um, an op-ed on the racism in the Calgary Firefighters uh, Department, and it's haunting. There's a very sad story of an Indigenous firefighter that uh, did commit suicide. Uh, when I ran for municipal politics, I felt at the time, and I still feel, that um, while Christian-based trauma care may work for some in the fire and policing and uh, you know the emergency in, in general. For Indigenous, it doesn't. And there aren't culturally appropriate services for dealing with trauma. Um, and many times, I've seen over and over and over again, so many Indigenous liaisons in the Calgary Police not get the proper care that they deserve. Um, you know, it, if it wasn't for our elders, knowing that uh, each of these liaisons need that extra help. I don't know <laughs> they would have made it this long. So I have a deep respect for them, but I know it's not safe to come out as an Indigenous person in those um, groups because they haven't worked on their anti-racism, anti and Indigenous education uh, called the Action 57 in any capacity. And um, here we have, you know, fascists in the ranks. And of course, it's more frightening when it's police because, um, you know, I unfortunately have read enough stories of police who are, you know, domestic um, abusers and domestic violent abusers. And then, uh, you know, without proper resources and such. And the police, they cover their own as they always have. And we see it at ACERT as well. Anyway, they have guns and they have the ability to monitor and with Bill C-51, they have the ability to monitor us. They always did, even prior to that. Um, Edward Snowden has been very vocal about um, the lack of transparency. Um, Chelsea Manning as well. These are actual, are actually our heroes of this day and age, but are considered uh, terrorists or whichever else they want to call them. Um, when they aren't. And that's what propaganda, war propaganda, the military industrial complex and, uh, you know, well-funded Christian nationalism is, is creating. Um, so th these are, these are the points of view I'm coming from. So anyway, um, I wanted to show everybody this on our YouTube channel and hopefully I've explained it well enough for my folks who just listened through um, the medium of our podcasting. The Calgary Fire, Fighter, Firefighters Association did acknowledge that they had went out there and this is their statement. We are aware of a video circulating of a few of our members participating in a protest at City Hall yesterday. Approximately 85% of our members are vaccinated for COVID-19. Our job is to be there for the members of our community. We are proud to keep Calgary safe, blah, 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 blah. So I'd like to know where that 85% came from. Um, FOIP, I don't know why the media isn't doing more on this issue. In the US, they have studies that have already shown the police 
are dying because of COVID-19. Um, you know, I, I've been uh, present in, you know, Calgary Police and have heard small rumors here and there about certain things about COVID-19. And it's not really for me to, to share, but if you were a media person and you were listening to this and you had the ability and time and, um, you know, umbrella of a legal entity of a company to do a FOIP request, like why aren't you finding out how many members of uh, all emergency members, not just uh, fire and police, but also uh, paramedics, how many have been exposed to COVID-19? What are the vaccination rates? How come the Firefighters Association knows this number of 85%? Because back to what fascism actually is, you know, the, the health freedoms there is, they should, should they know? Or did they, did they do an internal vaccination? Like, why is, why do they know this number? I'd like to know where that came from. But I'd also like to know, um, you know, they say that they continue to support vaccinations and all COVID-19 safety protocols. Well, if that was even slightly true, every single person in that is completely unmasked. So they need some serious fascism education fucking yesterday as well. Well, anti-oppression um, training, that's what call to action 57 is. But of course, that's way over the heads, obviously, of the city of Calgary. Speaking of the city of Calgary, they came out with a statement on Twitter, not their Facebook, about uh, September 30th and that they will indeed honor it, which I found hysterical at the same time that this information about, um, you know, the police and their firefighters being anti-maskers and uh, anti-COVID um, protocol, safety protocols. I mean, these are the folks that should be so trained on safety protocols that they like, you know, stupid things like checking your stupid smoke detectors like these things matter well are supposed to matter to them so the idea of making light of COVID-19 in any capacity and falling for this propaganda one shows us your intelligence level which is nothing but second of all um you know it's a, an example of poor education that Alberta is giving its citizens I don't know why I know about it I think it's because I'm must be native that's I, I don't understand. We all went to the same white schools and I don't know how they don't have a grasp on this. So anyway, these were some of the things that um, I wanted to show folks because I thought that it was important to, um, if you're on my YouTube channel, to see some of the books that I was referring to and uh, seeing some of the statements, but also, you know, my source of uh, Antifa, of Jane Q. Citizen, who actually does anti-fascism work on a regular basis. I asked them if they would consider being on the show. Um, and I said, you know, I would understand if you'd want to cover your face, maybe mask your voice, however you'd like to do that. But they just weren't up for it today, which I totally understand. And yeah, I've been getting a lot of that lately. So anyway, I'm going to, um, when I post on my social medias, I'm going to give some links to some of these books that I refer to in just in case um, some of you have read them and, and go from there. Uh, I wanted to give a little update on my garage sale. So we had two garage sales. We just had the long weekend, the one before that. And we started it with some guy who wanted our GI Joes and Transformers. And he totally stiffed us with uh, an e-transfer. And then we, we just were like, ugh, lesson learned. 
But anyway, uh, Buddy did get back to us. And then he even came back because we found another G.I. Joe tank and he wanted that and he took a Scooby-Doo puzzle. So actually, he not only paid us, but he actually ended up getting even more stuff. And that ended up being amazing. And that felt really good. And I complained about it in my last podcast. So I thought I'd give you all an update and a little bit of humanity redeemed. But of course, you have to be a total nerd like myself and many folks that I obviously surround myself with. And, uh, you know, I, I bring that up. I just had supper with a friend of mine and his partner has... Um, you know, Harry Potter tattoos up and down his arm. And I'm like, oh, I want Star Wars tattoos on one sleeve. I still haven't got around to doing that whole laugh. So, um, you know, fascism is a major theme. I thought it was really important to talk about when talking about the federal election. Um, this week we had folks throwing rocks at the prime minister. And uh, I'm just going to reemphasize that some guy from Manitoba was able to storm the so-called residents and armed and the media called him, you know, the friendly uh, sausage maker guy and totally downplayed him being basically a terrorist uh, going after our prime minister. And then, um, you know, Air No Tools campaign manager, I guess, is directly part of the gun lobby. I watched a minute of him talking with on a NRA type uh, conversation, and I it just it's like he sounded like a terrorist. Uh, Mark Miller also served our country, and uh, he just he just blasted him. I was really glad I I reshared it because I thought it was important for folks to know. You know, in Alberta, we don't get news out east. <clears throat> We certainly don't follow any of the other major uh, politicians. I know some, um, you know, centrists, which I consider oppressors, follow my, um, some of the work I do. But uh, for the most part, you know, people don't see out east. They don't see past Alberta borders sometimes. And that, again, the rise of fascism. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting off track a bit here. Um, someone th was throwing rocks at the prime minister and he's completely surrounded by RCMP. And of course, you know, what has the National Inquiry proven? If anything, the RCMP can't investigate themselves out of a wet paper bag. So, um, you know, I, I doubt anything will happen. But had that been an Indigenous group throwing rocks at the Prime Minister, I'm sure somebody would have been killed instantly on the spot while the rest of them got all thrown in jail after getting beat up. So, you know, it, I, I bring it up because it's so painfully obvious the difference of how, you know, Indigenous people are treated, how racist the policies are, back to the propaganda and the violence that we face, that's fascism. You know, so I'm, I'm very aware of it. And I, Canadians are not because they, they see the perpetrators of oppression and fascism against Indigenous people as their saviors. And they have always upheld that. And despite all of the reports telling them the opposite, they've done zero on it. All the political parties and all the voters. And in fact, the fascist party, the conservative party is leading in the polls right now. So I'm really quite sad about it. Um, anyway, uh, I was really mad because I was listening to um, stupid radio for five seconds. Uh, just mainstream freaking music. And uh, yeah, this like um, one DJ 
uh, fella on 92.9. This is like an alternative rock station was really downplaying the idea of throwing rocks at the prime minister. Um, you know, brought up the shoe against George Bush and the pies. And I just, you know, this is fascism where we blame it away. Uh, you know, on the comment sections, how many people bl um, blamed him? So I put out a tweet and got a reply about it, which surprised me. The reply surprised me. Um, most Albertans don't know uh, when Justin Trudeau's father fingered the West as it was portrayed in the media. What was actually happening was his family was in a train and people were throwing rocks and bottles and hurling all sorts of um, things at the at the train and he came out and gave him the middle finger. And people didn't know that. And we're literally seeing double of that. I'd, I'm assuming the kids weren't in the bus and, and Sophie wasn't in the bus, but I don't know that. And honestly, it's bothering me because, you know, you think you're standing up for a democracy and uh, this is what the result is. And here in Calgary Center, we had uh, some liberal door knockers go to the doors in, a, in an apartment complex. <clears throat> some asshole came out storming at them and grabbed all the lit that we put underneath the doors and in the in the doors and uh, threw them at them and spit on them and uh, they um, you know one was a first time volunteer which is not a great way to start volunteering and um, you know the other the other one I don't know if they'd ever experienced that type of violence before um, supposedly the candidate is going to be having the police investigate, but I have about as much faith in them as I do of any other missing and murdered Indigenous person uh, in the country. So I'm sure that will go absolutely nowhere. And in the comments section, all I seen was victim blaming. How dare the Liberals think that they can door knock out in the West? And I experienced some of that at the doors when I was trying to get signatures to get the Liberals on the on the ballot. You know, again, folks who claim to care about democracy, and yet here they are not even being willing to sign an Elections Canada, you know, form to get um, a Liberal on the ballot. Who else are you going to beat? So anyway, uh, we did get all the Liberals on the ballot, by the way. And once we found out about that, um, there was a deadline. So we had a deadline nationally, and not just us, but like all the parties have a deadline. Um, to submit the paperwork with the you know 100 signatures um some writings allow because there's not that many people like even as low as 50 signatures to be on a ballot so um anyway we did get liberals all in alberta and uh so that made me happy but we also i i had gotten contact by uh one of the universities asking me about the indigenous candidates and at the time, we weren't able to really disclose that information until we knew for sure if we were going to get all the signatures on the ballots, and we did. Uh, so we have 24 Indigenous candidates for the Liberal Party. Uh, some of them, unfortunately, are running against other Indigenous candidates for other parties. But what matters to me, you know, and one, I hope people are learning a little bit of civic literacy by listening to this show. But two, you know, it's really important that we have representation as Indigenous people. Uh, putting that out there that um, 
you know, people see Indigenous people making these decisions. And uh, hopefully, you know, the, a lot of people in Canada don't know, we were not given the right to vote until the 60s, but by the 60s, we were outnumbered. So, of course, they gave us the right to vote then. My hope is we can get enough Indigenous candidates elected one day that it'll be more Indigenous people really, you know, steering the ship here than anybody. And, uh, you know, we obviously, you know, haven't taken up arms against Canadians. Although some days I wonder. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we haven't. And despite all of the genocide that they continually perpetuate, um, I don't know if anybody's been following Ferry Creek, but they've been violently arrested. Um, Canagus Manuel's been putting out lots of information about um, being out on the land. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> the, the um, TMX workers and the RCMP are monitoring her. One RCMP that she got on video was such a fucking dick, not surprised. You know, he's not there to serve her, but was mocking her and said, I'm here to protect you. And it's like, fuck you. We know you're not. So anyway, anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, I wanted to um, highlight that, um, you know, folks, if you're making, if you're downplaying the violence against a liberal in Calgary, what you are doing is supporting fascism, actually. You know, you are supporting violence against, against people. And literally about a democracy so like I don't know where these people have gone to fucking school but it's certainly I don't know when we need to do a lot more when it comes to this conversation because it's not right so um I was really disappointed with some folks that I would consider so-called friends um folks that I've gone to bat for um in some cases and just other indigenous people um trying attempting to challenge me on on liberal on why I'm a liberal. And, um, you know, one, clearly you're not listening to the podcast. You haven't heard me talk about going to um, convention. You haven't heard me talking about the work it takes to get policies uh, in within a party. It's a lot of fucking work. And uh, I think it was uh, Ryan Warren was just on the radio talking about um, uh, Riley Yes No. You may know her on Twitter. Fabulous fabulous person and I think they might be associated with Yellowhead Institute now which is a fabulous organization that really is you know no punches pulled on Indigenous issues and policy and they have a great report that talks about you know what TRC calls to action actually have been implemented anyway I'm getting off topic so I just wanted to bring up um, people who I thought were my friends are like you know trying to challenge me on why I'm a liberal and uh, clearly they're not listening to any of my previous podcasts, but um, I will bring this up as an opportunity to brag. Uh, this is kind of what we've been doing. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've been watching some of the rhetoric on Twitter by people who are like, you bought a pipeline. <laughs> you know, they forget about the um, arms tied here in, Harper and all of these other issues, especially when it comes to the Saudi deal. Um, I heard, I seen NDPers trying to call out the liberals on the Saudi arms. And I just laughed my ass off because how quickly their memories forget uh, Tom Mulcair totally backed the Saudi arms deals because those are union jobs. 
you know, and that's the NDP's MO. Oh, we're killing natives, but it gives us jobs. <laughs> Nationally and internationally, let's kill those natives for union jobs. And people challenge me. Why are you not an NDP? -er? I'm telling you, unions have done nothing but killed Indigenous people. I don't know if that goes in one ear and out the other. I, I just, I, I can't put these dots closer together. You know, the nurses, um, doctors doing the apprehension, red, red flags at the hospital on our Indigenous babies, the social workers stealing those babies with that racist policy, cause it's legal. <laughs> so folks, you can try to pretend the NDP are somehow our friends, but I watched and heard Rachel Notley scream on top of her lungs at Calgary Pride, build that pipe, build that pipe. John Horgan, he's the NDP guy in BC that's okay with killing Canagas Manuel and anybody else that supports her. And all of the network of CSIS and the RCMP gets to spy on me and her and any other Indigenous person who has the audacity. So, you know, while fire, police, anti-maskers are all blocking nurses or uh, hospitals are filled with people with COVID-19, literally blocking ambulances. Bill one is an infrastructure bill that was put forward in Alberta to keep you know, to jail First Nations in case they had the audacity to block a train or whichever, you know, and, and I'm just going to share the story of when we shut down Reconciliation Bridge last time, um, we were shut, shutting down Memorial too, and it was the Indigenous liaisons of the Calgary Police that said, you know, this is an ambulance route, and we talked to the whole crew, and they agreed we'd back off of Memorial, just to give passage to the ambulances. And here you actually see these anti-maskers blocking ambulances on purpose. And there's no violence, no arrests, no nothing. And as, as you can see, our fascist police are literally on city hall steps saying that they agree that we should be blocking, you know, ambulances and cutting the nurses' wages and doctors are not, it, it's ridiculous. It, they are, they are backing the dismantling of the healthcare system in a so-called liberal democracy. And, um, and everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid and are backing it because they're dumb enough to follow this anti-vax, anti-mask propaganda that's being fed through this military and industrial complex. And yay, way to go, folks. Anyway, so back to why am I a liberal? So I guess I started with the party in about uh, 20, 2011. Um, no, it was before that. So there was a wonderful candidate here. She grew up on Memorial Drive and she had started a book club. And of course I had to go there, International Literacy Day. And actually that's where I met Tom Flanagan. And we talked about his book about being on Harper's team and uh, getting him elected and such. And she asked a really point, pointed pointed questions about um being elected and all of this stuff and it was a wonderful evening actually anyway getting off topic um that was when i started with party and then i learned about the indigenous people's commission i tried the ndp to see if they had an indigenous people's commission and um yeah it was the liberals that were active then 
and uh, those who follow Indigenous Twitter knows that Russ Dybul, he is like staunchly anti-liberal and he was actually a part of the same Indigenous Peoples Commission only then it was called the Aboriginal Peoples Commission it was when I started to and um, so anyway that was where Indigenous policy could be put forward and when my policies were getting put forward and then they went nationally I was learning just like you all are about civic literacy about the inside of how a party works and I realized that every party works the same uh, the uh, difference between ours, especially at the time, was that our, you know, Women's Commission, Youth Commission, and uh, Indigenous Peoples Commission were all functioning, as opposed to some of the other folks out there. So, uh, so that's the impetus of why I started with the Liberals. Um, a lot of the policies have gone through. Um, you know, I was there for um, Naomi Sayre. She was our uh, Indigenous Peoples Commission Women's Rep. And she put forward the MMIW um, policy, which of course I, I voted in favor of in Montreal in uh, 20, 2012, 2013. Yeah, that, that was when um, there was an Anuk on the West Coast and Delilah Saunders, Loretta Saunders had gone missing. And yeah, I first started interacting with, with her sister Delilah, anyway. That was way back then and it took since that time to now to implement it to get an inquiry now we have the calls to justice now we're implementing it so i just wanted to highlight our website here on uh, liberal.ca our platform of supporting first nation priorities and it has it all listed i mean a lot of this stuff has already been ongoing so like when you hear the critique from Yellowhead Institute, one, they're right, but two, you know, there is progress getting started on these. And a lot of you are like, well, that's a broken promise. Like, first of all, conservatives are not promising anything. They could give a shit if we die. And they certainly don't want us to have drink, clean drinking water. Um, they do not care about indigenous issues. They have shown that repeatedly and consistently so please don't pretend like there is a single party out there who, you know, gives a shit about any of this. I mean, all the colonial parties still work for colonialism, but, you know, we have seen a significant shift in the conversation. And I'm not like, thanks to our elders, thanks to our stories being shared in these commissions and thanks to the um, fantastic work of the commissioners uh, of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, Commission and the National Inquiry. Um, if it wasn't for all of them, we wouldn't be here. Um, anyway, just kind of to quickly highlight some of these things here. Um, you know, a mental health and wellness strategy, a strategy, it's the minimum that's needed. They actually mentioned the opioid crisis, including culturally appropriate wraparound services. Oh, I wonder who told them that. Um, working with First Nations to ensure Indigenous Language Act to be fully implemented. I know, so one of our candidates, uh, Jesse, um, out in BC, he worked in the, um, so he was part of the Indigenous Peoples Commission. He worked for the government of Canada. He worked at implement, implementing, implement, implementation of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. He, he's a lawyer. He created a lot of this framework. And I know he was active in the Indigenous Language um, Act as well. 
<sighs> Anyways, a lot of this work has been, you know, really hard. A lot of years of progress and work on this. This isn't something you get to bloody well do overnight, folks. Um, you know, and I think that um, <clears throat> focusing on the fact that we need way more Indigenous-led um, climate change. We actually put out some better talking points about that somewhere else, and I don't know why they're not included here. But regardless, this is far more comprehensive than you're going to find <clears throat> with the other folks out there. And uh, I'm I'm not just proud of this. I'm like directly part of this pro platform, these policy developments. Really honored that our team, our you know Team Trudeau, has been working so hard on these issues. And I couldn't agree more. We could use more investment. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been fair the wealth distribution that's happened in this country. And, um, but at the same time, you know, Canada isn't pushing our politicians on these issues. That's why Aaron O'Toole doesn't care. Um, and we're not seeing a real plan from the NDP. And, and, and I'm going to explain this yet again, if you've listened to other podcasts, I'm sorry, but apparently it bears repeating. Um, the Liberal Party of Canada and the Alberta Liberal Party are not constitutionally linked. We are completely separate entities. We don't necessarily agree. And that's actually across the nation. So the Manitoba Liberals, the Saskatchewan Liberals, none of them are connected with our federal Liberals at the constitutional level, unlike the NDP. So I, I do adore Jagmeet Singh. Uh, I'll give him props for helping Canada with the CERB because he really pushed that. And that literally helped save my family during this entire pandemic when my husband lost his job. So, you know, I'm really indebted to Jagmeet Singh for being at that table and, and pushing Justin. That said, you know, it is hypocritical, all you NDP supporters, to on one hand be like, oh, Jagmeet is so fabulous. But on the other hand, never have him call out Rachel Notley or John Hogan for Horgan for the, you know, violence against Indigenous people that they have always perpetuated. And um, so I challenge you all, you're constitutionally linked. If you get a, an NDP um, membership, it's both provincial and federal. And you guys aren't pushing this. I mean, I know damn well you're all dealing with racism. We got to see liberal racism on full display with Jody Wilson-Rainbow and SNC-Lavalin, but we get to see it now in the NDP with uh, Jagmeet Singh and how his supporters are not supporting him because of their, you know, anti-Brown bias. And in the Green Party, we're seeing it with um, the new leader that they have that is a Black Jewish leader. And we're, we're watching uh you know that party try to oust her unceremoniously so you know it it's across the board colonial politics is racist inherently um i hope i gave you some good resources about fascism and about the rise of um you know nationalistic evangelical christianity to kind of reinforce what why Canada and the US even exists off the backs of Indigenous people and bones and uh, and Black bones, it's not okay anymore. And um, uh, one more interesting little thing that I probably want to mention to folks is that uh, 
there's a, a wonderful show out there called Reservation Dogs, and I haven't seen it yet. I sure want to, that's for certain. Um, but one of the things that uh, has come out of that conversation is um, some anti-black, um, uh, anti-blackness in general, uh, which is which is really upsetting. So I I, um, I challenge folks. Uh, I know I've been working on my anti-blackness uh, bias, and um, I'm ableistic in a lot of ways. So these are things I'm trying to do better at, and I'm challenging you all to do better at that as well. Um, so I, I want to challenge everyone who's listening uh, in Alberta anyway for the municipal elections that are coming up. I want you to ask your candidates, and you can ask this of your federal ones as well, if they, oh, one other thing about, I should say about why I wanted to be talking about the Liberals in good ways. Um, my candidate, who I've already voted for, uh, Devin Hargraves in Lethbridge, you know, like he literally put up my husband for a month uh, while we were transitioning down to Lethbridge. So like, I, I can't say enough good things about, um, you know, the, the work we're trying to do that we all admit as Liberals, we have to work harder on, but we need buy-in from Canadians. And I'm sad to say, <laughs> you all hate this rhetoric, but at the end of the day, if you vote NDP, you will split the vote and we will end up with conservative government. And if you think it's because he broke some promises, uh, Justin Trudeau broke promises, you know, I, I'm sad for you because you don't know what it's like to work so hard on these policies and have a settler that benefits at my oppression, have the audacity to vote against these policies when the NDP do not have anything similar, any framework similar to what we have and that we've already been doing. And in fact, I would argue that Jugmeet was doing a good job trying to challenge these conversations. So anyway, if you're an NDP supporter, this is obviously not the right podcast for you, but I hope I challenge you to think about um, your so-called support for these folks because they aren't they aren't dealing with their anti-Indigenous bias within the party. And I've gone gray trying to do it with the Liberal Party. And some of our candidates really get it. But you know, um, there's executive that really get it. I'm thinking about one fella in particular, probably wouldn't appreciate me naming him. But, um, you know, we did outreach to us and make sure before we went into the election that we all were on the same page for a policy. And he took my suggestions and he put them out there, uh, the Indigenous-led climate change, et cetera, initiatives, like that was a part of our talking points. And I'm seeing our media go out there really, you know, it, it's it's fabulous work. And, um, you know, if you vote NDP, you're rejecting the work we've done on Indigenous issues. And of course, I wanna see it continue. I wanna see good work being done. And I know damn well, the Conservatives are leading in the polls and the NDP are so strong in their anti-Indigenous rhetoric and they don't even know it. They think by rejecting Justin Trudeau, that's gonna help Indigenous and actually it's going to oppress us. So that's, that's my take, that's the opinion. Now, you know, I can't possibly put that in a comment section. So I hope folks, if you listen to my podcast, and you see folks trying to challenge me on these things that you push back on it because I don't have the time anymore. 
I just don't. I'm trying. I have one foot in Lethbridge, one foot in Calgary, and I'm just exhausted by that, let alone all of our fascism, rise of fascism and racism that has been existing here on our genocide. So anyway, I wanted to go back to um, the municipal election and challenging folks. You can challenge your federal candidates this, on this too. We can't have reconciliation without truth. And the truth is indigenous genocide has happened in Canada. And the group that I work for um, or volunteer with, I, I care, it's an interfaith anti-racism task force here in Calgary. You know, that's our number one thing that we're gonna be talking about is asking our municipal, our, our you know, school trustees, our municipal councillors and municipal uh, mayoral candidates, do you agree? Do you admit that there has been Indigenous genocide? Because if they can't admit it, we can't teach the truth and we can't move forward to reconciliation. So I'm asking all my listeners to challenge, challenge, challenge them on Indigenous genocide. Um, our I Care uh, group is going to have an anti-hate conference this Sunday. Super excited about it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to really be able to attend it, unfortunately, because of my mood. Um, September 22nd is uh, Treaty 7 Day. Uh, we're going to have a Forest Lawn event in the Forest Lawn Community Association area, not during the day, but actually during the evening, in the hopes that uh, folks who work during the day would consider coming. We're going to hopefully have a food truck that can give away, I don't know, food to the first 50 people or something. And uh, some of our elders that we've been working with over the few months for this uh, event are going to be there doing some teaching. So please come if you're in the greater Forest Lawn area. And of course, September 30th, Orange Shirt Day. How interesting that the municipality of the city of Calgary had the audacity to say they're going to honor Orange Shirt Day. Well, they have the rights of fascism within their ranks and no real like strategy on how to deal with it. They've had the White Goose Flying Report since 2016 and they haven't done anything with it. So like, again, all you folks that are like, oh my God, I hate Justin Trudeau because he broke all of his promises of our indigenous people. What municipality has put together any sort of report at all analyzing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission? Do you have that same hate and vitriol against those municipal officials? Are you holding them to account? Even this one that's municipal and Marilyn uh, North began who's running for um, Ward 7. She was a co-author of this report here in Calgary. To me, it's a very conservative look and it certainly doesn't include the uh, police and what they need to do. So remember, every time you want to get mad at Justin for not doing enough, remind yourself the Conservatives have zero plan. Have, actually, they have a minus plan. And the NDP don't have a plan. Municipally, I'm not seeing enough work being done. And provincially, I'm not seeing it. So if you are willing to scream, throw rocks at the Prime Minister, are you willing to do that to the Premier, your MLAs? And think so. Anyway, so I'm just going to push back on you all for that. Um, but I think that's it for today. I, I would probably talk all day if I was given the opportunity. I wish you all knew how much I appreciate listening to me talking. Um, it is a real honor to read some of your comments that are really positive. And I, I got one that really kind of hit home. And it was uh, one of my friends who um, doesn't really want to be named. Um, 
who's trans and you know they're working for elections canada and they can't really talk about the conversion ban um practices they can't talk about that bill because they're working for elections canada and i can and i can tell you we're going to put it forward again and for all of you oh my god hs and trudeau hasn't done enough for the lgbtq community <laughs> you're right but did you get mad at those conservative mps that did the filibuster because all of that hate and vitriol should be properly directed there anyway i'm proud of this podcast giving solutions and including cultural tra safety training cultural first aid and almost all of them to create a safer place for indigenous people of color those with disabilities and lgbtq2 plus to speak i want to say thank you to um author cheryl ward chelsea branch alicia fridkin of here to help.bc.ca but what is indigenous cultural safety and why i should care about it their work are those cultural action tools that i've said over 100 times in my podcast so support indigenous work as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings i'm just lucky enough to highlight them here really if you were to google cultural action tools you will find so many resources that our um you know black friends have put out but like brown people and uh, one of my favorite organizations that calls out um Islamophobia is nccm like follow these folks oh wow internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of racism so and and white women i'm going to call you out internalized sexism internalized misogyny that's lateral violence too uh, racialequitytools.org by uh, Donna Bevins has a great piece on what is internalized racism. So if you're a white woman and you don't understand what internalized sexism or misogyny is, please Google that too. But if you are native, if you are black, if you are brown, Google what internalized racism is because sometimes we perpetuate it. I get accused of it all the time, actually. So I really encourage folks to learn more about it. And I try to, you know, challenge myself and see if that's true and uh, try to remind myself, who am I advocating for? Um, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by Americans Friends Service Committee. Uh, they have some really great ideas. So again, if you don't know what to do, just Google bystander intervention. It's so easy. I don't know why I have to give you these breadcrumbs. Uh, in Alberta, if you are experiencing racism, there's a wonderful Asian community that's put together act to end racism.ca and you can text a racist incident at 587-507-3838. Um, once you text it, I, I tested it, it just goes to their website so that you can catalog it. Indigenous people have been talking about our issues, our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded looking at you, City of Calgary and Calgary Board of Education. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and our policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus. They are cutting uh, violence prevention programs and services. Rana Amrose, uh, Indigenous education. Jason Kenny, Uterus Health Choices, Texas, Gay Straight Alliances, Alberta, Lack of Human Rights for Migrants, Immigrants, Canada, 
folks with disabilities. Hola, have you, uh, our disability advocates, man, you've been kicking ass on this Canadian um, federal election on who is not talking about these issues enough. Good on you. Uh, know that your vote to a party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. If they are doing any of these things, I'm telling you, demand they implement truth. And, and, and you know what? Let's go back to fascism and anti-liberal democratic views. Like this is literally what they're doing. They're trying to dismantle the social system, the social network that we have there because they're anti-socialism. We're not even a socialist country by any stretch. Don't have, you know, free dental. We don't have, I, even our healthcare. We have seniors that are choosing between food and meds and utilities and meds. Like we don't have socialized medicine here in Canada, despite what propaganda we put out there. Even Michael Moore is a little guilty of that. Sorry, I don't mean to get off um, topic here. Anyway, demand um, implementation of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. I don't see a freaking plan, folks, from your stupid NDP party on that, by the way. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports on child welfare reform, looking at you, NDP social services, violence prevention programs, 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit, denying all these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running um, and they are not honoring call to action 57. Um, this should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports. A really great article I read out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Honestly, if you were to Google, you know, Canadian allyship, you have so many freaking hits now. There's been so many articles since episode 62. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talk about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit um, Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text at hopeforwellness.help. Let's start over. You can text them on their website. If you go to their website, hopeforwellness.ca, they have a text feature. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is national, toll-free, 24-7 crisis lines uh, for non-Indigenous. Like the fact is you have a 211 that will actually help you. It's not culturally sensitive to indigenous people nor our languages. So please see that as a privilege. But regardless, if you are non-indigenous and you are in distress, you can call 211 or you can call 833-456-4566. Uh, 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is ssisa.ca. And I want to give a shout out to the Trevor Project. They have uh, great resources for LGBTQ2 plus youth. Uh, they have peer support lines and a trans lifeline. Um, so you can go to lifevoice.ca for a ton of those 
uh, crisis supports and the kids help phone at 1-800-668-6868. I'm just going to, you know, point out that if you are a Christian and you can tell your kids all about, you know, whipping and torturing and brutalizing and beating the living shit out of Jesus and putting them up on a cross to die for three days, pretty sure K to 12 um, conversations on indigenous issue isn't going to be a far stretch. Um, again, I learned all about Nazis and fascism when I was younger. Uh, it's a really important that we start giving um, age appropriate information. And you all who are listening have an opportunity with the municipal and federal election to push for that. Violence is an everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started a podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, sure want to tell us they're ignorant pieces of crap opinions by people who know nothing about colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, microaggressions, uh, people dealing with internalized racism, gatekeepers, people who live off the status quo, people who are in their trauma, and they deplete personal resources. Internal, external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. That's why I started this podcast as a boundary to be heard. Um, and to start that positive uh, dialogue on solutions, I mean, if I see another Canadian clutch their pearls and say, I just don't know what the solutions are, like, just don't, like, first, you're not listening to my podcast, but second, you're just not listening to Indigenous voices in general. It's not just me. There's so many Indigenous voices out there, uh, whether through articles, radio, um, you know, scholars, there's so many out there. So do the work. I want to say uh, thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of uh, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her. I'm a second generation Calgarian. Um, and by the way, those who don't know, native Calgarian is a, it's a mock of folks who clearly don't understand land acknowledgement um or colonialism for that matter uh or racism thank you to my husband darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband my childhood friend the father of our child and support down my journey of the red road he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily we are honored you chose us you give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person my hope is that my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these issues. My native, or my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, um, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. I have a YouTube channel, you can go and subscribe. And nativecalgarian.com has the latest podcasts. And if you go on my social media, all the pin posts. So I'll end with giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. Remember, I'm a person, a hair person. And that means that we showed up in rabbit skin all the time. And so when I end, I always end with that side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. 
and my beautiful Denny cousin responded, are you being my dish? So thank you so much for listening.